Welcome to episode four of the Been There, Lost That podcast, real education and advice from people who get it. We have been there, lost that, and successfully helped many others in doing so. I'm Sarah Cucinari, an integrative health practitioner, certified nutrition coach, and head coach of Team Fit With Me, here with assistant coaches and certified nutritionists, Jess Valoy and Taylor Nobles. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we are here to help you weed through all the bad information and gimmicks to reach your health, fitness, and physique goals in a sustainable way. Oh, I almost made it without tripping over any of my words, but we're going to roll with it. Um, all right. So first three episodes were out. I'm so, so excited as we are like finding our flow here. And thank you to everybody for our support. Um, it's super cool to see because when you pull like the analytics for the podcast, you can see how many people listen to like one, two, three. And it looks like, I, I mean, it seems like you guys don't hate us because um, I think pretty much everybody made it through three hours of hearing us talk a bunch of shit. So thank yeah. you guys for your support. <laughs> and shout out to Elisa for our first review on iTunes podcast. Um, that was really cool to see. I didn't even like think about that. So if anybody wants to drop us a, a review, only if you're going to do five stars. <laughs> if you have any constructive criticism, feedback, or topics you'd like us to cover, um, don't be shy. We are always here to, um, we're here for you guys. So if there's anything you want to hear us talk about, um, please shoot us a note and we're happy to cover it. I do think what we have in the works, like a Q&A type of episode, um, so if anybody has any specific questions, we can definitely dive into that. Um, anyway, I should probably start talking about what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. We're going to talk about where to start and how to kind of map out your plan and make adjustments along the way. Um, I think that when we first get started and we set the lofty goals that we always like to start because by golly, we're motivated in the beginning. Um, we think, okay, what is my game plan to eat less and move more? How am I going to map this out? But that's not always the case. Um, and if that was the case, then this would be a lot simpler and easier. And everybody would be fit and thin and rich, except for me, because I would be out of a job if it was so easy and simple as eat less and move more. Um, but I think that we can all agree um, and we've all experienced that we can successfully diet we can successfully lose weight as defined by scale number going down. Most people can do that. Most people do not actually hit their goal, their end goal. Um, and most people don't even keep off what they've been, you know, whatever, whatever progress they've made, they, they don't maintain it. Um, and then we fall into this loop of just, you know, insanity, repeating the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So we don't want to talk about how you can map everything out to actually get the results that you're looking for. And there is definitely a process and phases that you have to go through um, to get there. And unlike every approach that I think we've all taken until finding the one that really works, um, we're gonna we're gonna show you how to put you in a position where your body starts working for you. I find that every other approach that we take is all about working against our body and fighting it, um, which is why it doesn't work. I mean, I think that we've all kind of proven that time and time again. <laughs> lose a couple pounds, a couple inches, and I put on a little bit of muscle definition. Um, but if we're not doing it from a place of care and from our body, for our body, it doesn't stick around. So step one, Jess, take it away. Step one is setting a goal. Um, and as somebody who has spent the last like two decades um, being on some sort of a health, fitness, weight loss um, journey, my goals have changed dramatically in that, in that time. Um, 
and I think it's important to revisit your goals, um, even if you've been on a health journey for some time, um, and really take a look and see if those goals are still in line with, with what you've got going in your life at the time. Um, there's different phases, as Sarah just mentioned, or seasons of your life where your goals may be different. You know, during pregnancies and things, my goal is to, you know, create a healthy person and keep myself healthy. Now that I'm, you know, past that, now I can focus on more me again. But I'm not looking at just, you know, the numbers anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking more holistically. Um, so I think taking time to really, like, visualize and lay out your goals and, you know, figure out what that looks like, what that version of you looks like that you're working towards right now um, is an important first step. Let's talk about where we're at kind of now with our goals, because we're a big fan of, and you'll see, um, so I mapped this out in a couple of steps and I'm like, do we have six steps or do we have seven steps here? Because step seven is, is go back and do it all again. Um, but that really is the truth is that this is everybody like, you know, we hear all the lame things of people being like, it's a journey. There's no destination. Well, I think setting up little mile markers, middle little goals along the way um, keeps us moving forward and gives us that vision of something to chase. Um, so I'll, I'll hand the mic to Taylor. What are your goals currently? So I think it's pretty cool because I know at the beginning of my journey, it was always a number that was on my mind. And once I reached that number, everything was going to be great. Um, but then as like the journey unfolds, it started to be more about the inner work and less about the number on the scale. And then it's cool to see that all different, it's cool to see that all like along the way, everything has changed and like different goals. I want different goals now. So my goal currently is to stay, stay consistent with my nutrition, stay consistent in the gym, um, really lean into how to prepare food and stuff for my family and still stay on track. I find that now that I'm cooking for my husband and he needs a new meal every night that it's harder for me because I feel like grocery bills go up and we get, we have to, I have to navigate that a little differently now. So staying consistent with that, um, being leaner and being stronger is also one of my goals. Wait, can I, can I just interrupt you for a second? Speaking of grocery yeah. bills, I went into fucking Safeway last week. It was $8 for eggs, like a dozen eggs, not even organic. It was <laughs> I mean, I still, I still got them. Thank goodness. That was a possibility for me, but I was planning on getting a couple dozen because we had a house full of people and I was like, you know what? Everybody gets one egg with their breakfast. And I am in a region. Did I miss something? Why did eggs go up? Uh, bird, did I miss flu. bird flu. Uh, oh. There are no eggs in my area. Oh. There are none. I've I was going to say mine were $10 for an 18 pack. I was like, what the hell happened here? I've been to several grocery stores. There are zero eggs on the shelf. None. Not a single egg to be found anywhere around here. I'm lucky that I have some in the fridge and I got some uh, carton egg whites to get us through. Um, but there was like rampant bird flu and it wiped out um, a big population of the egg producing chickens. Oh my God. We, we got into a whole <laughs> We got into a whole chicken egg conversation. So next goal is to get chickens egg. so we can have our own eggs. <laughs> chickens are kind of gross though, aren't they? Yeah. Aren't they gross to have? Bear would eat that chicken. Yeah. Oh God, chicken shit in my backyard. I'm good. I think I'm good on that. Um, anyway, back to goals. Step one, 
<laughs> so I think that my goals are totally different than they've ever been, which is why it's hard for it's it's kind of a challenge. So for the first time in my life, and you know, so I'm 35, so probably since I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old when I started focusing on dieting, it's the first time that I'm not focused on losing fat. Probably the past like two or three years, I've I've, I've started moving away from that, and I'm pretty happy with like my muscle state. But I've also definitely really happy my body. And so I think that's made me um, maybe a little bit less focused on my health because I'm okay with the outside. (laughs) It's kind of like a weird place I'm in right now. Um, But I think that's what I want to do is really start optimizing my internal health, maybe put on a little bit more muscle, um, but also just continue living the lifestyle. I mean, it it, it is, as as my coach always said, it is a lot like Groundhog's Day. Um, And I think that just continuing to build that out and like finding... um, different meaning for myself aside from the aesthetic and the, you know, it's a weird place to be in. So I think that, um, I guess I need to spend a little time mapping it out a little bit more. Um, but I think that's generally what I want to do is put on a little bit more muscle and optimize my internal health a little bit more. But I think that was a longer answer than I had. I think that place is also the ultimate goal that we all have is that we want to get away from this place of like constantly be focused on diet and constantly be focused on things and just have that be kind of groundhog's day and and this is just what we do this is part of life we eat every day we work out a few times a week we feel good um you know i i know i've spent way too much of my time and energy focused on making my body smaller and that's the ultimate goal is to get to the point to the point where that's not my main focus of my life okay so then i want to redo my goals I like when I asked you guys that question and then and then turned it back to me I was thinking like purely health and fitness goals but I guess like you're right maybe it's time for me to think about other goals that um are are, you know more personal growth related and not necessarily on this thing even though it's funny because I feel that obligation um because this is my thing right um but I guess as far as other goals outside of this I mean trying to ride my horse more trying to you know have a little be a little bit more social I said I'll know a lot last year which I'm not mad about but yeah, I guess that Jess, you got a point. <laughs> there are, are goals beyond this thing. I think I just was so hyper focused, you know, on a podcast to talk about this thing. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a really good point too. Is having personal growth goals that aren't necessarily just this thing. Mm-hmm. Did I ramble about step one for too long? That's okay. Yeah, we got off on Thanks. chickens and stuff. So it's fine. <laughs> step one really sets Taylor, the foundation, so. Step two, collect data. There's a lot of questions that go into collecting data. Like, are you healthy enough to enter into, enter into a fat loss phase? Are the habit, habits established there? Um, do you need a diet or reverse diet? Uh, are you being consistent, like, on the weekends, not just during the week? And then what's your biofeedback like? Like, are you pooping daily? Are you sleeping good? What's your energy? And then labs, labs and hormones for sure. So when any anybody ever signs up to join our team, um, we ask a lot of questions. <laughs> and I always warn people when I have a console call, I'm like, I'm, I'm warning you our questionnaire is really in depth, but I really encourage you to take your time. This is part of my spiel. Um, I encourage you to take your time and be thorough when answering the questionnaire and that nothing is TMI. A lot of times people will be filling out the questionnaire and they'll say, TMI, but, and I'm like, girl, I'm about to ask you what your poop looks like every week. Nothing is too much information. Um, but I think that we always start with like, you know, eat less, move more. Well, that's not what it is for everybody. And I find for probably 
maybe 70, 80% of people that come to me that they actually need to eat more. So, so that's a huge misconception across the board. So I think that, um, you know, you have, you're, you're setting your goals first, but then you need to see where am I at right now? So I can start creating the game plan. And I think Jess can speak on that as well, because Jess, I think was, had a similar experience to when I hired my coach, um, of it being, of feeling like, oh, they're going to make me eat less and move more when really, when you signed up, Jess, what did we do? We, we started eating more and it was, it was kind of a mind blowing situation where I was like, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't feel like what I need to be doing. This isn't what I've been told. This isn't what I've done in the past. And then it started working and I was like, okay, give me some more of that Kool-Aid and just continued to, you know, pick her brain and, you know, learn as much as I could because the, the data was there. It's things started happening, things started moving and I started feeling better. And it's a very, uh, a very different approach to what I was used to. Yeah, it's wild. Like when I hired Jason, I I was eating 800 calories a day. I was I was doing like an hour of strength and an hour of cardio, and I was like not looking or feeling any better. And I thought that I must have been like lying to myself. I was like, I must not know how to track my food right. I must not be working out the way that I should work out. And I thought he was gonna like teach me how to starve better. <laughs> and he was like, That's not what we are going to do here. Um, and what he said to me was, you know, you're eating 800 calories. So for me to create a caloric deficit, because we all hear, right, caloric deficit, caloric deficit, that's the key. And ultimately, like, yeah, that, that is the, what we want to create. But if you're not eating enough, what do you have to cut from? So if I was, and that's what he said to me, you're eating 800 calories. If I pull 300 calories, you're going to eat 500 calories. Your body's going to continue adapting. We forget that our bodies are always going to fight to maintain homeostasis. And the reason is, is that's how we survive. Like when we were cavemen, you would survive through feast and famine. So if you've been, you know, cyclically star- starving yourself for many years, um, your body says, you know, I don't care what you do. I'm, I've learned how to be thrifty and to adapt both ways, um, which was super cool when we were cavemen, but now it's really fucking frustrating. <laughs> so you have to try a different approach and you have to take that approach of optimizing systems. I'd never had my labs done. Well, that's a lie. I'd had lots of lab work done and doctors were always like, you're fine, or you have PCOS, or you're pre-diabetic. Everything's and normal. Just need to stop eating carbs. Yeah, or you know, it was just like random information. Um, first of all, they never ran the appropriate labs to like see the full picture of my health, um, and secondly, they didn't even give me enough information on like what to do about it. So whenever anybody gets labs here, um, you know, I send them like a 15, 20 minute long video and we're like, okay, let's, let's both learn about your body. I'm not going to send you a message through a portal like a doctor typically does with like five or six sentences and then being like, well, here's a prescription to help you. Or here's some random nutrition advice that I actually have no idea about because I've only taken a couple hours of nutrition education in med school. Um, that's where I think we really get fucked, you know, like, have you guys ever been given bad, uh, have you given, I, that's what I should ask. Have you been given nutrition advice by a doctor? One and number two, was it good advice? Oh, this this opens up a little can of worms. So during my second pregnancy, um, I saw um, a, a midwife around twenty six weeks. I had done um, the finger prick um, blood glucose tests for several weeks, tracking my my blood glucose throughout my pregnancy to, to check for gestational diabetes and everything was perfectly normal and optimized because um, I had done some pre-work beforehand to get my glucose things in, in order and whatnot. So the midwife, without asking me anything about my food intake, anything about my nutrition, 
uh, having this data that my, my blood glucose was perfectly normal, advised me that I should eat a gestational diabetes diet. I should reduce my carbs and my calories and eat like a, a gestational diabetes person because I was bigger, because I, I, because I was, I had a big stomach, she said. That just blew my mind and i was livid because of how many people she may have given this advice to that weren't nutrition coaches that didn't know better that would go and and reduce their their caloric intake and reduce their carbs with no no information given at all or, or no reviewing of current intake what if i was already eating 800 calories being a pregnant woman trying not to gain weight because i was worried about getting fat while i was pregnant and then she tells me i need to eat less you know that's going to put me and the child at risk so this really inappropriate um advice uh really set me off to be quite honest and really came from a lack of step two she didn't collect the data she did not collect the data she did not <laughs> Taylor, have you ever been given advice by a doctor and was it good or bad nutrition advice? I honestly can't tell you because I feel like I block out or black out anytime a doctor talks to me about anything because it's all gibberish. I know that my entire adolescence, I was told I was obese and I really didn't know how to navigate that besides just feel like shit because I was obese or, you know, classified as it. So honestly, I don't know that I've ever been given good or bad because I don't pay attention to them or I don't know how to correct what they're telling me. Um, but I will say that the first time I got my labs, first time I remember and knowingly ever got my labs was with while I was with Sarah. And it was really cool to see how you like broke everything down and like you knew what was going on, but then you were like, and this is how we fix this. And this is what we're going to take to help boost that. Like it was just really cool to see how you navigated it and how you explained it to me without it just being like gibberish in the long run. Yeah, I was I, I actually cried the first time that Jason read my labs for me because I felt like I've been working so hard and I was like, there's still all this shit wrong with me. Um, but there's nothing that you can do except for start moving forward. And you know, it's not uncommon of like looping back to other things of collecting data um, that people come to me and they're like, I poop like once or twice a week and I take a laxative. Well, girl, we've got some bigger fish to fry before before we start talking about moving into a fat loss phase. You have to put, as, as Chris, Chris will have on the pod, um, he's with our partner, Vivo Health Solutions. He says, you have to put your body in the mood. Your body's not in the mood to lose fat and put on muscle. Then it's just going to, I almost said it's just going to say fuck you, but Chris would never say fuck you. Um, but I'll just put words in it. <laughs> <laughs> But no, if your body if your body's not in the mood, if your hormones aren't dialed in, if you're if you're not uh, if you're not recovering, if you're not sleeping, if you if you feel like crap, and if you're if you're feeling sluggish, then everything every system in your body is going to be sluggish. So we have step one of still setting your goal, but then we have to be realistic about where are you now. And even though your goal might be to lose fat your body's not in the mood, you might have to map out your plan a little bit differently um, to ultimately get to that goal, which moves into step three, um, creating your plan. So I think that we all recently have been running a holiday challenge and they have to do weekly tasks. And one theme week that we did like two weeks ago was create a vision board 
for the new year. And so everybody like did some arts and crafts for the vision board thing. And I think Taylor, you're a vision board person, right? You've done that before. Um, yeah. And I think that's awesome that you have like that, that literally that vision to work towards. But if you might think that people get so focused on that end result when they really should be focused on the steps that it takes. So mapping that out um, and, and any, anything to add there. So once everybody submits their information to me, their long ass questionnaire, that's when I get to work and start mapping out the phases and the plan. But for anybody that's mapping out their own plan, um, what would, what kind of advice would you guys give? So I usually am the first point of contact after they get, uh, the plan from Sarah and the, those, fun. it was, I think it was echoing. Uh, but we're good. Oh, okay. We're good. Uh, so I'm usually the first point of contact after Sarah's um, plans get sent to clients um, for their onboarding. And the number one thing that I hear from everybody is that they are feeling very overwhelmed going through. And so I spend a majority of the onboarding plan just breaking down the actionable steps and show, you know, this is, this is what, this is what we're going to do. This is how we track. This is what this looks like. And every time they get off the call, they are feeling completely different than when they started that the overwhelm goes away and it's like, okay, now I can, I can, I, I see what the plan is. I can break it down into the individual steps and it, it just, it makes it so that you, you, you know what to do. It's like, okay, Sunday, I'm going to a meal prep Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm going to go to the gym. You know, it, it, it has a roadmap. It's not just, it's not just a plan. It's a plan with a roadmap. Yeah. I feel yeah, that I same way. Go, go ahead. ahead. I feel that same way. I am one of those people that like, if they're, if it's not written down, it just gets jumbled in here and I feel overwhelmed. Like I, I don't know where to start. So the one thing that I do is I map out my entire week on Sundays. I make sure that like on Sunday I have all of my food, prepped and planned into chronometer. I make sure that I've got the grocery list going and that food's going to be delivered. There will always be food in the house so that, you know, there's not that fatigue of picking food. Um, and then I map out the entire week in like a calendar so that I know when I'm going to the gym, what days I'm prepping, what everything that's going on. And I, it makes me feel like I have less jumbled up in my brain when I do that, when I just have everything written down, kind of like a mind dump to where the next step can be. So I think you guys both had a really good point that loops back to like being organized. You can go back to episode was episode three. Last one was those commandments of like the basic things that you need to do and you need to do them every day and you need to keep doing them. And if they don't get done every day, you don't wait until next week. You get on, you get right back to it. You only get half mm -hmm. of them done. You still do half of them. You don't do zero of them. Um, but I think that being organized is, uh, and having like good time management skills, or I should say developing good time man management skills is key to be successful at anything, to learn anything, to implement any new habits. And I was talking to a client who checked in this week and I told her that I pretty much like time block myself out and I'm pretty specific with my schedule or else I will never get up from my desk. I think you both, you guys both could relate to that. Um, we like to work. So we're not, look, we're not usually trying to escape our desks. We like to sit here and work all day. <laughs> but if I don't schedule time to do other things and to set my and to take care of myself and it doesn't happen. And this client that I was talking to about, she was like, well, can you send me your calendar? And I was like, well, my calendar is not going to help you because I don't know what your schedule is. And she has a baby um, and, she, and, she, um, and she has different obligations than me. So I think that that can be back to what Jess was saying, that overwhelm. 
break it down into like little things. And then also be realistic about like the action consequence there. If you're making small changes, you should be very comfortable with the fact that the, the, the changes are going to be small and the results are going to be smaller. But there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think that your actions need to align with your expectations there as well. Yeah. Is that fair? Did we miss anything on that? Yeah. Yeah. I went on an unexpected. I wasn't expecting number three to go that way. <laughs> Step four, something that I suck at the most, um, putting time behind it. I'm a lot of things, but a patient woman, I am not. <laughs> and that's the hardest part. And especially if you have to go through a health phase first, you have to reverse diet or you got to work on your digestion or your bloat or your, whatever it is. It is the most fresh. And, and especially if you're in the beginning, because you're also learning how to do stuff. Um, that it's the hardest part. It really is the hardest part like that, that the patient's piece. Jess is a more, I would say Jess is probably a, the most patient of the three of us. No. So I'll let her speak on this. No, no, no. It, it's not Of patient. the three we, of us, I think you are. No. I worked with you for like a solid year. We were beating our heads, trying to figure out why my body wasn't responding. I finally bit the bullet, got labs. We figured out what was going on. And then a month and a half later, I was pregnant and had to put all of it on hold. So it wasn't really that I'm, I'm patient. It was, you know... We, we tried a lot of things and and finally got the answers. Then I got pregnant and the, the goal changed. The, the, we, you know, it was, it, we shifted from fat loss to build, build a boy. And, you know, now, <laughs> you know, so now we're back at it again, a little bit adjusted because, you know, we're still breastfeeding and doing things that, you know, require a different set of goals and actions and you know i i can't take all the supplements i can't do all the things that i could do if i was just worried about me we're still worried about him a little bit so um there's seasons of your life where the, your timing is gonna have to change you know if you asked me in 2020 when i signed up with sarah where i would be by 2023 it wouldn't be here with another kid but here we are it, it, we're, life happened and so the the timing Taking time off the table is probably one of the best gifts you can give to yourself. Um, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. But it's, you know. But I'll have people, I have people that'll like start and they'll, um, they'll go through like their first check-in and they'll be like, oh my gosh, week one, this is great. And they get to like week two or three and they'll be like, I feel like I've made, made no progress. And I'll be like, well, hold on. Like, you're like, like, we'll look into biofeedback, but then we'll also look at physical progress. And I think that our expectations are like just so skewed. I also think that for those of us that have had kind of that immediate gratification of weight loss surgery or that have lost, you know, 10 pounds of water weight from doing some dumb fucking thing um, that we're like, well, I've, I've been able to lose 10 pounds in two weeks in the past. Well, yeah, but what's your goal? Is your goal just to lose weight or losing fat? Because I promise you didn't lose 10 pounds of fat in two weeks. I promise you. So I think that that's like a big factor when it comes to the timing piece. And then I'll also have people that will be like, I expect it to be farther along now. It's been a month. And I'm like, well, you haven't even followed, you know, you're still working on learning how to follow your plan. Um, you know, if you're not being consistent with your variables, then your focus should be on your variables. If you have to focus, what is it? You have to focus on the process if you want to make progress. But people are just so hyper focused mm -hmm. on the results um, that they're like, it's like they're totally missing the point. But it's how we're conditioned, right? Um, 
And then we say, well, this isn't working. So I'm, I'm, you know, I might as well just eat like an asshole this weekend and drink. And then, you know, maybe I'll think about starting again on Monday or, you know what, it's January 3rd. I might as well wait until next January 1st. Maybe 2024 will be my year. Uh, Do we miss anything on the timing, Taylor? You got anything to talk about patience and time? Not really. I mean, I'm right in the middle. Sometimes I feel like I'm really good at... I'm really good at being like, it'll happen when it happens. But then sometimes I get in that mood where I'm like, well, why isn't it happening right this second? But so I'm, I feel like I'm in a good space right now where I'm like, everything will happen in its timing and when it's supposed to um, with everything in life, not just with weight loss. But yeah, I think it's patience is hard sometimes, but you have to trust well, it. You have to trust that the hard part is, yeah, maybe you lost that 10 pounds in one month, one time, but you obviously got it back because it wasn't sustainable. So like when you trust the process and you let let it known that like if you do this in the long run, you will be healthy and sustainable and be able to reap the benefits of your results. Yeah. And like saying that things are going to take time, like just from a business perspective is not um, it's not sexy. Like it's not super marketable. So you guys are going to have to be here for a while. But I'll tell you that the people like the clients that commit to a longer period of time and they're like, I'm going to really put like a year or two years into this. Um, are the ones that are the most successful because even if people reach their um, their aesthetic goals in less time than that, um, to really solidify the lifestyle and especially for those of us that like are on that diet merry-go-round of death, to really hold that steady um, takes a lot longer. And and whenever I tell people that I was with Jason and being coached for four years, um, that it's almost like it's almost like I don't want to admit it because I'm like, well, you know, I I feel like I'm saying to somebody you have this big bear you it's going to take such a long time but if you think about it again in terms of you know i like some math think about it in the grand scheme of things you know you're willing to put you're willing to put in three months of effort so that you can now fall off your game for three months and you can keep doing this for decades or if you take three or four years um and focus on this skill and like acquiring this you know creating this lifestyle so that you can go think about other shit um, and actually get where you want to go and sustain your results. Like a couple of years in the grand scheme of life is nothing, nothing for me to have spent a couple years and, you know, and, and a lot of fucking money and time and blood and sweat and tears. It's like a hard thing is that we feel like, you know, there's that time factor and the time factor I think holds most people back more than anything. Um, you know, if you just start focused on one foot in front of the other and you take time off the table and you say, maybe this will take a couple of years. Well, a couple of years to actually be successful about something or with whatever it is that you're, you're, you're working on versus, you know, attempting for the next 30, 40 or 50 years. Um, I think that sounds like a pretty good return on an investment if you think about it in that, in that kind of way. Mm -hmm. Did we beat that horse enough? I think so. I think so. We did. And, you know, I think that leads in well to step five or whatever is, is finding different ways to, you know, monitor your progress. Um, you know, the, the scale is not necessarily going to be the most useful when it comes to fat loss. So finding other ways. Uh, for me, I always say clothes don't lie. So, you know, having, you know, a a goal or many goal pairs of pants to, you know, go back and revisit and see how they're fitting. That's one way that I like to check in on my own progress to see, you know, how things are feeling and, and you know, maybe I, I can make some adjustments there or maybe I'm further along than I think I am because I've been trusting the scale too much. 
Um, so it's, mm -hmm. it's important to find ways to monitor your progress. Maybe your progress is I've meal prepped every day this week and, you know, and that's, that's your way of, of marking it off. Maybe it's not anything aesthetic wise at all. Maybe it's, it's those routines. Um, but finding some way to keep track of that, whether that be a tracking app, photos, an item of clothes, find some way that you can look back and say, wow, look where I've come from, you know, six months ago to now, because that's what, that's, what's going to keep you moving forward. It's going to keep, I don't, I don't, I don't want to use the word motivation. I guess you could call it motivation. Um, but it'll keep that consistency, um, uh, when you're able to go back and, and see how far you've come. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I, I'm a big take the pictures person. Um, most people push back when I'm like, we need progress pictures. And then, you know, because when typically when people are starting with coaching, they're not super happy with what they look like. I mean, I, I don't want to take these pictures in my underwear and send them to you every week, Sarah. Yes, in your underwear every week. And you should take them with a tripod so they look exactly the same every week in the same room in the same lighting. And I'm a huge stickler about pictures because I, that really is the best tracker of progress when looping back to if your goal is, and I'm going to assume that everybody's goal is because most people's goal is to ultimately, ultimately lose fat and put on muscle to change their body composition. The best way to track body composition is photos. Um, and, and I think that that is something that, you know, we dread a little bit, but I can also say that I totally wish that I had more pictures from when I was less comfortable in my body. Um, you know, if anybody goes through my transformation pictures, you'll see my befores are like the same three pictures because I, I didn't, I didn't take it off is the truth. Yeah. Mine's the same is photos, honestly. Like I love looking back and being like, look at how far you've come, even in like a short few weeks or even from the beginning of taking your progress photos, photos are my number one, but there's like in our questionnaire, in our check-in form every week when we check in with Sarah, there's so many different variables to our progress that has zero to nothing to do with weight um, so that you don't have to focus on the scale. You can focus on everything else, like the sleep and the pooping and, you know, how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. And that is, I mean, that is how we assess progress is uh, there haven't, there's probably like 20 points that we look at every week mm -hmm. um, to assess progress. And sometimes, and sometimes your pictures don't look better. And it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. Bodies are not perfect math equations. Um, I have a client who I won't say her name because I don't know if she'll want me to tell her to call her out on this. But she's been with us for maybe like, uh, like four or five months. She's an awesome client kicking ass. Um, and every time that she ovulates, she puts on like two pounds and she looks a little bloated from the sun. If every time she ovulated, we were like, you know what, girl, we're going to have to flash calories and add some cardio, um, then we'd really be in a, a tight spot here. I mean, she'd, she'd be like, shoot, it, it would be terrible. I'd be the worst coach ever if that's what I did. So you have to always be factoring all of those things in. And now over time, we've just, we just know to expect it. We know that she might get a little bit of a scale bump. She's probably a little bloated during this week. Um, so I think it's really important to identify um, you know, to put some back to putting more time around it, you know, uh, being stagnant for a week is not a plateau. If you're stagnant for four or five, six weeks, and you've been consistent with all of your variables, then it might be time to adjust. But I think that we're always so quick to jump on adjustments. 
And a big part of why I kept a coach on board for so long is because I would like, I would like uh, see, see or feel something I didn't like. And I'd be like, Oh, time to diet. <laughs> and so I think having that third party um, objective person, and, and I even use Jess, I, whenever I take progress pictures, I send my nudes to Jess and she's like, this is what's good. This is what's bad. This is where we're at. <laughs> Yep. I yep. think that third party piece is important. Absolutely. And I think that's anything to add about my nudes, Jess? <laughs> no, no, not this time. Another episode. <laughs> Jess will wake up in the morning to just like bikini pics of me. <laughs> and then I'll go back and side by side them and I'll be like, do you see this? How about that? <laughs> or I'll say, I see nothing. A lot of times we do that too. If we look at pictures of ourselves and we'll be like, nothing has changed. Then you'll show yeah, somebody it else. Makes me feel good. Yeah. It always makes mm-hmm. me feel good when you see something. I'm like, damn, she's good. She's got a good eye. So I see yeah, nothing I think, sometimes. Well, I think when we're looking at ourselves too, like we are so like subjective about things. And I know for me that the certain parts of my body, like whether when I'm 80 pounds ago and now, like they're still the same parts that I look at and that I, that I beat myself up at all. Anything else on monitoring and adjusting as needed? I think that loops into patience. Mm-hmm. It's almost like all these steps lead to the next one. It's almost like really I was super organized for it. Mm-hmm. Wild. Um, step six, take breaks. Um, I think that this is something that is so, so abused with dieting. Um, again, mapping back into us being adaptive. We are cavemen. We are going to adapt to our environment. So when we say... Um, you know, when we choose that Holy Grail 1200 calorie plan and go to orange theory every day and it works for a little while and then your body adapts to that and we say, well, it's not working anymore because you can't just be perpetually focusing on this one thing. We have to do things in phases, um, like if you have to go through a health phase first, but even if you are moving into a fat loss phase, um, you can't just like diet for an entire year. Body's just, it's just not, it's not going to work unless you keep adding more of a stimulus and then you just keep down-regulating systems and then you find yourself, you know, where I was, 800 calories, two hours of exercise and things aren't going anywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's something that can be mentioned with like people that have done extreme things or weight loss surgery is that a lot of times, you know, I think that most people who have had weight loss surgery by the time that they get to me, um, are not eating enough. And they're like, you know, I, I keep t- doing what my bariatric office has told me to do. And when, and now I'm so frustrating, it's so frustrating because it's not working. And so I explained to them why it's not working, but also that we're, we're not supposed to be eating that, that little forever. And so I think it's really a flaw in the design with bariatric offices that are nutritionists and dietitians is that they're really great for the healing stage after surgery but when you are farther out, you going back to your bariatric basics is not what you should be doing. You should not be eating sub a thousand calories for the rest of your life. And it's a huge piece of the puzzle that's missing in, you know, in the bariatric space. And I think it's a huge reason why so many people are so are, are unsuccessful and gain all their weight back because they think that they're supposed to be eating low calorie and then they can't stick to it. And then the body's not responding and it turns into this whole rambling thing like it's just this cycle yeah. um, you know I and I just like ugh, makes me so mad because we're given that impression that that's what we're supposed to do um you know and I just and it, that loops back to whereas we all think that we're supposed to start by eating less and moving more and that's not the case for most people I find yeah 
And on the flip side of that, you don't want to throw it all into the fuck it bucket either. Just because you shouldn't be on a, uh, a diet cycle doesn't mean you should completely go wild and crazy. Um, there's, there's, there is a plan with, you know, not dieting that, that is also, you know, maintenance is its own plan. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for my first start to finish analogy? I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm, I'm ready to share it. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, let's wrap this up with the mountain analogy. So whenever anybody is starting their health and fitness journey, um, I find that it feels like you're, you're standing at the bottom of the mountain and it's a huge mountain. It's fucking Everest. And you're looking up at the top and you're thinking, oh my God, that's a, that's quite the mountain I have to climb. But you're at the bottom of the mountain, which means that you are, you've been planning this trip. You're, you're psyched to climb, climb Everest. It's taking you a while to get all the equipment that you need. You probably have a cute new alpha. You've got some like hiking gear you're trying to, trying to try out. So you're super motivated to start hiking this big mountain. So you start trekking up Everest. And this is the hardest part. This is the biggest mountain you've ever encountered. And then you hit an icy patch. And so you hit an obstacle. And, and you, you slide down that mountain just a little bit. But I think a lot of times that that's when we are like, well, fuck, I can't climb mountains. So we let ourselves slide back down to the bottom of the mountain. We go have a cheeseburger at the local bar. And then we say, oh, I told myself I was going to climb this mountain. I really want to be a mountain climber. So now we're starting again. And the people that are the most successful are the ones that say, okay, well, I hit an icy patch. And even though my clothes are not feeling as fresh and new, I'm still going to keep trucking up that mountain. And I know that I need to look out for icy patches next time. Maybe I know I need to put those like spiky things on my boots next time I see one. It's all about that it's that learning from each experience and each obstacle that you encounter. Most people do not keep going past the icy patches. Most people continue to slide down to the beginning of that mountain and it's frustrating. Um, and, and, and then you have this evidence of, well, I've slipped down this mountain a hundred times. Why do I have, why would I believe that I can conquer it now? So I would encourage everybody in starting their journey is that even if you're going to hit these icy patches, because you will, to keep on tracking up the mountain. And then I'll tell you, you will reach the top of Everest. And when you do, you're going to grab your sled and you're going to like, woo, down that mountain. And you're going to do this. That was awesome. Fuck yeah. Motivation is back. This is great. My results are aligning with my efforts. This is awesome. But then guess what? You will encounter another mountain. But this second mountain, it's not going to be as scary as the first mountain. It's not going to be as high or as steep. And you'll also look behind you and you'll say, well, I just climbed that motherfucker. So I can definitely get over this one. And over time, these mountains will start, will continue to get smaller and they'll turn into rolling hills. And that's where you really establish lifestyle consistency, the secret that we are all looking for. It will never be flat like a field in Kansas because that's not life. Um, But that mountain, you got to get over that first one. You got to keep trucking ahead. And that's really where the magic happens. And you get to find yourself on a podcast seven years later. Does that make you the <laughs> Sherpa? About Does that make you the Sherpa? <laughs> so, you so, the so when you slip on that icy patch, you're there to pick us up and keep us moving along, giving us those tools. <laughs> Maybe you have the spiky shoes that you're adding on. Um, or, or tell us just about the day. What kind of outfit does a Sherpa get to wear? I want to oh. know that before I, <laughs> I think it's very similar to the mountain clan where, cause you know, Everest is cold. <laughs> Do I get to have a mountain goat with me to hold my supplies? You know, I've watched a lot of Everest. I haven't seen goats. I've not seen goats. All right. Well, I think that that was uh, a really, really useful, um, useful discussion. The first start to end analogy marked at episode episode four. I'm sure there's more to come. Um, But if you go through those six steps, 
setting goals, collecting data, creating your plan and mapping it out into actionable steps, putting time behind it, monitoring your progress, making adjustments as needed, taking breaks and have, embracing that there are phases and stages and seasons. And then step seven, repeat one, steps one through six over and over again until those mountains are not quite as scary and you'll really reach where you wanna go. I think we all set goals and we think of that end result without considering all of the factors and really mapping out the phases in order to get there. There's lots of factors that need to be considered when you're creating your game plan based off of your current health, your history, your level of fitness, your habits, behaviors, all of those things are so important. Um, anything that I missed before we wrap this baby up? I don't think so. I think so. All right. Thank you for listening to the Been There, Lost, Fab podcast. Our motto here is do it right so you only have to do it once. If you're looking for personalized and customized programming to reach and sustain your health and fitness goals, check us out at teamfitwithme.com. Then complete the info on the contact page. You'll get free resources and also a link to set up a complimentary phone call with yours truly. Thank you guys. See you for episode five. Bye. Bye. Bye.